This is Jessica Dunker, President and CEO of the Iowa Restaurant Association. This is the podcast where we visit award-winning restaurateurs, chefs, and um, other folks that the association has had the pleasure of getting to know over the past few years. Uh, today, we are with a Des Moines institution, Robert Johnson, who is the founder of Bebop's, uh, one of Des Moines' favorite, favorite places to be for a number of years. Welcome, Bob, to the table for two. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Now, one of the favorite things about my story, or your story, that I like to hear about is how you actually landed in the restaurant industry, because it was in no way typical. No. Uh, I was unemployed. I had a brand new car that I had bought. I had enough money for one more car payment. My cousin Dave, he was in the same position, so we start looking in the Gillette Herald newspaper, and we came across, you know, electricians and all these other things that we were not qualified. Then there was two ads in there. One was for insurance, and one was for Mr. Mr. Quick Hamburgers out of Bolingbrook. And we looked at each other, and I said, I'm going to take the hamburger one. My cousin said, I'm taking the insurance one. <laughs> and, and then the rest is almost history. Yeah. But I know that you stayed with the burgers. Did he stay with insurance? Uh, he did. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago from uh, ALS. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But we more or less grew up together in that. And uh, he was a great guy. Well, I think most of the Des Moines area would be grateful to know that you didn't go for the insurance job. So give us a little bit about your actual career path. After you started in um, the Mr. Quick. Yeah, it, I started in 1970. 1970, and it was an entry-level position, I oh, assume, yeah. but didn't stay entry-level for long. Tell us a little bit about your well, career path. I started off as assistant manager trainee. Eight months later, I was promoted to being a store manager mm-hmm. and moved to Princeton, Illinois. Was there for a year and a half, and I, want, I knew I wanted to get my own franchise. And so I went out and started looking at different towns and that, uh, uh, for a possibility and presented uh, the facts uh, to the home office of Mr. Quick. And finally, after a year and a half and that, they said, well, we've got a place over in Newton, Iowa. And we've got uh, two guys that own the property and uh, the building, and they need somebody that can come in as an equal partner to run it. So I moved. Wow. And so you got to Newton. Yep. Opened your first franchise, but yep. that was just the beginning. Yep. What came next? Uh, well, I was with them for 17 years, and we ended up having three Mr. Quicks. But after 17 years and my two ex-partners, uh, you know, right. it just didn't work out. So I'd been reading about double drive throughs down south in, in a restaurant news magazine, and I th- uh, I thought, you know, I can do that here, you know. And just per chance, I drove over here to Des Moines, for some reason, turned off on East Euclid, and, and started going down the street, and I see this little itty-bitty building. Right. That used, it turns out it used to be a, pers- uh, a Pizzer Derby gas station. Mm-hmm. And, but it had a shopping center. It was Eastgate Shopping Center. And at that time, it was thriving. So I got a hold of the uh, uh, realtor, and we went and looked at it and that, and uh, I made a deal with them and that, and opened up the first Bebops. And what year was that? 1988. 
Wow. And so you opened up the first Bebops. Where'd the name come from? Just, I knew I wanted something that was going to be 50s, 60s. Okay. And so that's, that's an, uh, the name that came up, was Bebops. So a little bit of a risk here, right? Because you go from a franchise model. Right. Well understood, highly recognized. Right. To creating something completely new. Right. As an independent restaurateur. What, what prompted you to make that move? How, how did you, because it's a risk. You know, well, it was a real risk because I went to my banker and I says, I need to borrow money to do this. And, and they said, well, what have you got for collateral? I said, well, I own one third of Sizzlin' Sam's. And he says, you own one third of nothing. And he says, you have yeah. to have 51% or more. Oh, He yeah. what else you got? I said, well, I've got my house. He said, that'll do, sign here. So you so put I your house on I the line. My, I put my house on the line. Wow. Yeah. Well, it turned out to be a risk well well done. Now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, you were the first double drive-through in the Des Moines area and yeah. remained the, fir- the, R- only, the only for yeah. a long, long time. Right. Um, what was it about that vision that intrigued you? What, you know, and what made you think that that would be successful here? Uh, I just did. It. Nobody else was doing it. Uh, we, when we opened up that very first store, we had no walk-up window, no dining room or anything like that. It was just strictly two windows on each side of the building. And uh, the week before we opened it up, we'd gone out to dinner and uh, over IOB Steakhouse, mm. where you cook your own, right? And yep. you season your own, and everything like that. Right. And I started thinking, why can't I do that with my burgers? Yeah. So I formulated my own seasoning. We have a company here in Des Moines that actually makes it for us. Mm-hmm. And we start off with that and everybody just loved it right from, right from the start. I wanna pause a minute on that seasoning conversation because we need to take a minute to hear a word from one of our advertisers. Calling all Iowa chefs, $15,000 in prize money. Show off your skills by entering the Turkey and Soy Recipe Contest. They are looking for innovative soup, bowl, and small plate recipes incorporating turkey and soy. Your creativity could win you some of that $15,000 in prize money. Visit iowaturkey.org or the soyfoodscouncil.com. Deadline is August 31st. Yeah, and you've had decades of being one of the, or the best uh, burger for in Des Moines. Named that, you know, dozens of times, actually, right. over the years. Yep. So, obviously, people responded really well to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And has that changed since you opened, or have you kept that seasoning the same? Uh, that seasoning is the same. Yeah, so yeah. why change what's working? Right, right? exactly. <laughs> why change? <laughs> now, one of the things I would want to back up just a little bit and say, and it's only because we've talked about this before, is you are a voracious reader of information. You are always looking at trends, reading everything you can get your hands on. How important was it for you to educate yourself as you were making that leap yeah. into the independent restaurant scene? Well, if I hadn't read about double drive-thrus, I mean, I, I wouldn't have, you know, probably made the leap. Right. But I, I read about it, and I thought, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, and they're doing it down south. I thought, well, why can't I do it here in, in Iowa? 
Right. Um, and I know that you still read quite a bit today. Mm-hmm. What would you, um, you know, this is just a little piece of advice to any restaurant owner out there. What would you recommend? What do you think are some of the must-reads for uh, independent restaurant owners these days? The magazine QSR is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, restaurant News Magazine is probably the best. That's where I actually got the, the idea. Great. About Great. double drive throughs Well, we'll give a little shout-out to those two publications. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely should be looked at. So... Um, let's go on to, uh, now you had talked a little bit about Sizzle and Sam's. How did Mr. Quick become Sizzle and Sam's? Well, we were, we were not happy with, uh, the home office of Mr. Quick and they weren't, weren't doing the things that we wanted to do and that and they weren't promoting. They were going downhill, uh, and we wanted to go uphill and right. we just decided that we wanted to change the name and break away from Mr. Quick. And so that's what we did. And that was quite successful as well, right? Right. Um, And then did you sell those locations when you decided to do Bebops, or did you get yourself purchased out by the other owners? No. uh, The reason why we broke up is because the the partnership just kind of fell apart now, you know. uh, As does happen. I was the restaurateur. I was the one that was running all the operations and that, and they thought they knew more than I did and that, and so we just I, I actually just walked away from it. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that um, we tell people now today and still think holds true is that uh, you really need some restaurant experience mm-hmm. before you become a restaurant owner. Yes. And um, sometimes we get a lot of calls in the association of people who think they're just going to make that shift and open up a restaurant. And right. that is potentially, if you've never worked in a restaurant or run a restaurant or managed a restaurant or purchased food, or done a schedule, right. or create right looked at labor. That's potentially a recipe for not having success. Right. Well, we opened up in November of 1988, and with Bebops. Yes. And by the time it came spring, I mean we we had 20 cars at each line on each side of the building, and that. And I just knew that you know this was the way I want to go. So uh, the, us three that own Sizzling Sam's, we just uh, decided just to call it quits call it quits yeah now i think one of the things that's unique there i I actually i also like to read quick service Mm -hmm. uh, or qsr magazine and restaurant news i find a lot of great data in particular but one of the things i was looking at today um before we sat down was the definitions of quick service versus fast food Mm -hmm. and you are clearly quick service and not fast food because things are not pre-made right and sitting in a wrapper waiting for someone to order it and be handed to them. Right. Every single burger. Is, every single sandwich. Yeah, every single sandwich, thank you, is made to order. Right. Every single time. Yeah. And that would sound, I think, to a lot of people like a lack of efficiency. But why has that been the key to your success? Well, because, you know, people, maybe they don't want mayonnaise on a sandwich. Maybe they just want just ketchup and pickles. Uh, we're set up the way we've got everything that we can do that and do it very very quickly. Right. And how did you? How did you perfect that? I mean, have you looked over the years? Is technology key to that? Is staffing? Uh, part of it's uh, technology. Part of it is uh, uh, I just came up with a, a few ideas that uh, made it so that we could do it uh, fast and efficient. And get them in, get them out. 
Yeah. And so I, I think that it's really important for people to understand that difference. I think it's very frustrating mm-hmm. um, to be a quick service model and have people think that it's fast food, not understanding that there really is a very specific difference right. between the two models. Now, um, COVID came, you know, in 2020. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about that with everyone that we've visited with um, over the last year. You were one of the places that was actually set up to be okay. We were more than okay. Right, from day one. So and your so your experience during COVID, completely different than a full-service sit-down restaurant. Tell us a little bit about what happened to you the day on-premise dining closed in March of 2020. Well, uh, your sit-down, a lot of your sit-down restaurants, they had to close. Right. They just they couldn't operate. People wouldn't come anyway. Right. You know, and uh, everybody's so afraid of catching COVID. But with our drive-up windows net, it just made it so much easier. I mean, that, that some some of our busiest times was is, was during that time. And your, your staff staying was really critical to that. Oh yeah. And one of the things that I've always admired about your philosophy is how much you value staff. Uh-huh. And, you know, we haven't even talked about you've grown to 12 locations across right. the metro now. And every one of those is managed by someone, right, that started with you in a different role. Can you right. talk a little bit about that management philosophy and your commitment to growing people inside your organization? Yeah, that's just it. That's the key right there. We, we like to take people that uh, start off just as crew members. Yes. Work their way up to shift managers and from shift manager up to store manager. And uh, uh, and then after that, uh, we've got uh, uh, area supervisor. Uh, that's worked out very very well. I mean, yeah. we like to promote from within. Yeah, and I th- yeah, and s- sitting here in your office, knowing John, mm-hmm. who's been with you for thirty eight years. Thirty yeah, <laughs> is you know that's unusual. Yeah, right to have, but and but again, he started out. A crew member. Yeah, he and, did, and over has, in Newton. Yep, and has just grown with the organization. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I, I just looked at in QSR uh, magazine and Restaurant News is the idea that drive-through is really king, that that is really the way of the future, and that uh, delivery, while everybody talks so much about third-party delivery and delivery, that it's really drive-through that has been growing. And so... Um, the most recent numbers I've seen is that drive-through is up 16% over the last year, year and a half. Carry-out is down a little bit, and delivery is up only 6%. Mm-hmm. So um, what's your thoughts on delivery? We don't use it. Yes, and, and third-party delivery. Well, because the, the reason being is... Okay, they're not going to come just pick up food just at my restaurant. They're going to stop at several restaurants, pick right. up food, and time to get ours to the places. It, it could be the last uh, delivery. Yes. Now the food is either lukewarm or cold, and that. And who are they going to blame? The delivery? No, they're going to blame Bebop's. And so we, we don't want that. Yeah. Have you had situations where the delivery apps have tried to pick up food from your places and okay that's fine they want to come there and just like anybody else order the food and get it and take it and 
go delivered somewhere, that's fine. You just, but we, we have no part of that. Right, yeah. And I, and it's very clear even looking mm-hmm. at all of your website and all of your promotion. We, we get calls almost every day from, like, the delivery services, you know. Yeah. And we just either we don't return the phone call or if I happen to answer the phone that, I said, no, we're, no. Just, we're just not interested. Now, one thing you did do pre-COVID is you did make the move um, into some dine-in where people are right. it, right? So how has that mixed model worked for you? Very well, uh, actually. Yeah, so the Waukee store, which is the one I live closest to, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful location. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously during COVID, you shut that down. How has business been... No, Since, it didn't, we didn't shut down. Oh, oh, well, in the dining, the dining room. room. In the dining room, I'm sorry. Yeah, in the dining room Yeah, side. we just had to drive up window open, and that's it. And uh, it, it, it just, people were lying out into the street. Yeah, well, I, um, <laughs> yes. And part of it is, is that none of the quality ever suffered. It was always right. made to order. Right. And, um, I love your mission statement. Can you just talk a little bit about what your mission statement is and how you came to it? Um, about how you're going to make the best burger and fries as determined by your customers. I, I love that. We've always, we've always had that philosophy that, you know, uh, we work very hard at making sure that the product is done and done correctly. Uh, we're not foolproof. I mean, you know, we, we could forget a fry or something or right. make the sandwich not the way that they wanted. You know, more than half the... the Given new food and that you know, so that uh, we've always strived to make the best food that we can. Now, when did you was chicken on the menu from the very beginning? I didn't live here in 1988, so uh, no. Yeah, so when did you add that, and what what was the thought behind that? Because you know the burgers you perfected with your seasoning from the mm-hmm. beginning, the fries are fabulous, right? So and when <laughs> we started off also with pork loin fritter, also okay. And then, and, and then, how has the menu evolved or, or changed over the years? It seems pretty true to what you always started with. Yeah, but. pretty much. Pretty much, it's pretty much stayed uh, the same over the years. Uh, we added chicken, and that uh, we've got actually three different kinds of chickens now. Okay. We have regular breaded, mm-hmm. and then we've got the grilled, and then we just added the spicy uh, chicken. And obviously, that's based on consumer taste mm-hmm. and, and interests. How's the sale of that been? Good? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah it's it, a good product. Wonderful. Um, how many employees do you have in your... All together? Yeah. Mm, I think it's right around 290. And you have given so many people their first job. Oh, yeah. So many people. And I love the quality of the employees you get because you've always paid very, very well yeah. from the standpoint and a competitive pay to your folks what do you look for when you're looking for employees especially when you're opening because you've just opened another new location relatively recently in right Grimes. Grimes. um you know what do you look for from your applicants that what's the key well naturally we want them clean cut and nice personalities and that and uh able to talk with customers and that freely yeah uh, yeah it's uh that's about it, you know. Yeah. Clean cut. Yeah. Now, how goes do you, a long way. And what I like, again, is this homegrown management. Mm-hmm. How do you train the managers because you are an independent? Do you send them to school? Is it all on the job? On the job training. Everything. Yeah, so the store manager uh, is the one that's in charge of that. Mm-hmm. Who have you got that looks good that we can maybe promote? 
Yeah. Oh, well, little Susie, you know, is doing a great job. Well, we, we bring Susie in and talk to her and that, and, and uh, we just recently started doing background checks also on employees, which we feel is very important. Because the bigger we get, I mean, you know, we have to be very careful right. about who we do hire. Right. Now, do you um, have plans to continue to methodically grow across yeah. Des Moines? Uh, probably no more here. No more here. Okay. No, because we're pretty well saturated. So now we're looking outside. Okay. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, Omaha, Kansas City, uh, Quad Cities we're looking at right now very seriously. And that's going to be a big move for you to mm -hmm. get out of the Des Moines area. Mm -hmm. um, will you take a homegrown manager then and oh, yeah. take him to one of these locations? Mm -hmm. to, to open up the first one there. Yeah. It. What would a new store look like now? versus when you were opening you know, 20, 25 years ago. Will they all have dining rooms? Uh, most likely. Okay. Most likely. Uh, people, uh, even though they use the drive-up window, I mean, that's where most people go is our drive-up windows. There's still quite a few people that want to actually come inside, sit down, and, and uh, enjoy the experience and the ex inside. Yeah, and the experience is great. Yeah. Because you've maintained that 50s, 60s right. ambience and feeling. We in got there. the music playing and that's all yeah. 50s, 60s music and that. And uh, yeah. And, and, and you've, so you've stayed true to that. You know, so many times over the years, people change, change it up and change it up and change it up. But I mm -hmm. think probably one of the things that most people would say is that they understand exactly what it's going to be like every place they go. Right. Right. It's, yep. it, and there's nostalgia. Uh, for everyone that would be coming to the restaurant yeah. and enjoying what you know what you deliver and what you do. So, um, have you ever thought about what would have happened if you took the insurance job? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I know we'd I, all be disappointed I, I, if I, you would have taken that job. Yeah, I I, I liked it, uh, the restaurant business as soon as they started. You did. So yeah. you knew it was your where you belonged from, yeah. from the very beginning. Yeah. Well, as evidenced by eight months growing so quickly in the, in the mm -hmm. industry. So tell me a little bit. So you grew up in Illinois. Tell me a little bit about you know, who you were before that day when you had the car payment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was a, uh, a professional figure skater. Oh, my goodness. There's our spill it right there. In Joliet, Illinois. <laughs> tell and, us. And I, I worked for the... Uh, Park District also, and uh, I had like 90 students. I wow. taught weekly, and uh, at the end of the season, we put on a show and that for all the parents and anybody that wanted to come and watch and that. But uh, I skated in a, in a few uh, ice shows in wow. Chicago. So, so you skated growing up all all through life, and no, not no? until I was uh, probably 12, 13 years old. Wow, wow! But, but once I started in the restaurant business. I had to put that aside. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't do both. No, no. And, you know, one of the, we've talked about this. One of the segments that we do always on the podcast is spill it. Give us something no one in the area probably knows about you. I have to believe there are few people who know that you were a professional figure skater <laughs> prior prior to moving probably into not. the restaurant yeah. industry. It doesn't come up every day. No, no. But it's a fun fact. Sure. Nonetheless, do you still uh, do you still ice skate at all? No. No, no more no, ice skating. No, well, that that's okay. Um, we also do a segment called Holy Hospitality, and it's just when we talk about things 
in the restaurant industry. There are so many things that require an exclamation point in your voice, sometimes mm-hmm. good for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. And I always mention when we talk about this, Emily, my resident millennial who you're, you see sitting mm-hmm. over here quietly, I wanted to name this podcast Holy Hospitality, and she told me it was an unacceptable name. <laughs> and so um, we, but she did allow me to keep um, Holy Hospitality as a little segment. And one of the things that um, I have been looking at is the statistics that are still plaguing the industry a little bit. And some of the steps that in the quick service market we're still seeing happen. I don't believe that this is happening with you, but um, a lot, and again, strictly quick service numbers in 2023, uh, 27% still having reduced days and hours of operation. Uh, 20% or 23% um, have still have reduced headcount and staff. And so they haven't been able to return to pre-COVID levels. That is not something you've experienced. No, not at all. Right. So you've been continuing to grow. Right. Do you consider yourself fully staffed right now? Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. And But you're always looking for oh, yeah. people, for anybody always, out there, always. for any young person that yeah. might be looking out there. Now, you um, have so far had your franchises. Will you ever become a franchisor that would allow people to buy in and actually own a bebop well, of the, their the own. two that are in Ames. Yes, those are franchise stores. Oh, one I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, how has that transition been? It's been good. They're good people. They, they do a good job. And they follow the rules and how we want things done in that, and uh, they they work at it. So you you know one of the things that we normally do with our award winners as well is ask about you know what advice you would give somebody who is looking to start a restaurant or potentially become a franchisor for you mm-hmm. or franchisee, excuse me, for you or someone else, you know, what attributes, what advice, what, what do you think is really key to success if you're going into the industry today? Well, you, you better start off working in a restaurant first. Yeah. <laughs> before, before you put, you know, uh, you, you just don't want to buy a restaurant and think you're going to just run it. Right. Right. There's so much to it and that, that people don't realize. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, that um, it's way better to have a business degree because you can hire someone who can probably menu development That's develop right. for there, you. There you go. Right, and that um, you probably ought to know how to read a profit and loss statement if you're going that, that would be That would be good. <laughs> and know how to figure out food costs and paper costs. and those are, those are important things you have to really keep an eye on. Yeah, well... Um, this has just been so fun to sit down with you. Um, is there anything news coming up or anything that you would like to share that is happening in Bebops that those well, of us we, would we will do? be rebuilding the uh, Windsor Heights store. Oh, okay. That's going to be torn down, and we're putting up. It'll still be a double drive-through. Yes. Uh, there's no need to put a dining room on that one there. Okay. Well. But uh, it'll be. It'll look like the store over on uh, East Fourteenth. Okay. Which is a double drive-through. So the location will stay the same. It's right. just that the, the you're going to rebuild. Yeah, well, that one is so busy. I, I right. mean, I have to believe you're looking at traffic flow on that right. Windsor Heights location. Yeah. Well, it'll even be better when we get done with it all. Yeah. Oh, well, so, and time frame for that? Uh, next spring. 
Un- excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, looking forward to that as well. Well, we always end our podcast with a little bit of dessert because um, dessert is always great. <laughs> and um, the thing that I just wanted to share with people today is that the fair is coming, which is always fun. Sure. But after the fair, it's Des Moines Restaurant Week. And so we just always want to encourage people to get out, try some of the restaurants uh, in across Des Moines. There are 36, I believe, that are participating this year. And we've got a bunch of our previous award winners, Hoke, Republic on Grand, Bubba, Centro, Court Avenue Brewing, Django, Malice Splash, Harbinger, Latin King, Trostdale's Greenbrier, all previous award winners. They'll all be participating in that. And if you want an award-winning burger any day of the week, any week of the year, <laughs> right? Then we you ha- can go to one of the twelve locations of yeah. Bebops here in the Des Moines area, right? So yep, yep. Well, thank you for having us today. Well, well I appreciate it. Yeah, and um, again, this is Jessica Dunker sitting at Bebops headquarters in Des Moines, thinking about some of those fries that I may have to go for <laughs> right after we leave here. Uh, this has been Table for Two from the Iowa Restaurant Association. Go out and enjoy one of Iowa's many independent restaurants. Do that every day if you can, but if not that, as often as possible. Be sure to download our podcast and give us five stars so you can find us in the rankings. We're available anywhere you can find a podcast, which would be Spotify, iHeart, Apple, the Google, Google, the list goes on as uh, Audible. The, Emily's giving me, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, so any place you listen to your podcast, we should be there. And again, this is Table for Two with Jessica Dunker. Thanks for joining us today.